Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sidlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, body horror, gore, apocalypse, blood and bloodletting, complex and complicated relationships, cults and cult-like behavior, curses, loss of limbs, and death of loved ones. Arc 5, Episode 9. Rabidly Devoted to Meaning. From a Table Filled with Interest by Anne Gorick. Birth is relative. Sprang you, hirsute and flawless, smeared in the entrails of non-creation, you, white and bloodied, Silken feathers stuck together like death row, you, all mass and entropy, wings sealed shut in swollen, bleeding rapture, sliding across the glass tile of the laboratory. Quills, prickled hooklets, stiff, the empty breath of mother's blood gasping through your veins. Oblivion's little miracle. Crinite and crawling, folding in on yourself like a fractal, an implosion, a bad hand. You learned the names for your own anatomy, humerus, radius, ulna, no shoulder to connect to, no terminal, destination, just humerus, radius, ulna, gory feathers drooping like tired eyelids off the blaze of your scapulae, suspended in the viscid gel, of non-creation, you metastasized yourself a body. And now, the never cracked open like an epiphany before you, you crawl wing over wing into reality. Oka, Jaron, Sitlali, and Gentle, the necrotizing schism above Adam's head bristles with a mouthful of feathers. Dozens and hundreds and thousands of bone-white feathers ripple to the surface of this wound gashed open through the flesh of the now. The chrysalis has no face, no eyes, 
No blood, no head, no limbs, no body. Just a teeming, writhing prism of wings folded over and over and over each other in a perverse tessellation of mutated godhood. A force field a vacuous energy emanates from its bodiless form. A wing unfurls from its central mass, reaches forward, tethers a half hundred feathers on the edge of this portal. And where this wing breaches into your reality, you see the very air around its feather tips quiver. You feel the weave tense and groan and gasp under intense magical duress and colors. Maroon, cerulean, periwinkle, green, pop and blitz and sour around this wing and then sounds erupt. A woman's laugh, the wail of a baby, the beating of a drum and then smells. Uh, pine needles, smoke, salt, and then all of these sensations, all of these experiences, these existences, these miniature windows into reality hemorrhage into each other in a synesthetic cacophony of sight, sound, smell, maroon, smoke, wailing, green, pine, blue, laughter before. Just like that, it's all gone. And all of you see existence itself unravel and decay where this thing connects with the now. It's like watching a piece of reality cut itself out of existence where this wing grazes the air it leaves little rippling black holes behind. Places that trap light and breath and thought, like pits of black tar. Dribbling with blood, emerald suit gleaming in the dusky light, Adam throws his pale throat back and just laughs. Behold! The chrysalis! Roll initiative. I like that we could hear you scream through my mic. See? It sounded like a cat screeching. I got a 12, by the way. I got a 9. I, I, I got a 25. 26. So first to act is going to be Sit Lolly. So Lolly, if I recall correctly, the obsidian crystals of protection from Siraksha that had sort of rhymed in a helpful cocoon around you have tessellated downward and revealed you. Pretty much right above your head, all this shit is happening. Ravi's dead. Oka crouched over her mercy as well. Jaron sort of maybe like shell-shocked on the stage. What do you do? I look up at the monstrosity trying to come into the now. And I say, absolutely not. And I cast Banishment at sixth level. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. How does that work? At sixth level, I can do more than one creature. So I'm also trying to banish Adam. Both the Chrysalis and Adam have to roll a Charisma saving throw against an 18. What happens if they fail? If the target is native to a different plane of existence than the one we're on, which I assume it is. The target is banished with a faint popping noise returning to its home plane. And then I have to hold the spell for a minute to make sure it stays gone. So they succeeded, both of them succeeded, but here's what I'm gonna do because you are casting at a sixth level. I'll ask for concentration checks over the duration of a minute of this combat. And if Sitlali can mount each of these checks, then by the end of, let's say, a round or two, they'll both be banished. But you're gonna have to hit the DC every time with that check. So I'm gonna ask you to make an arcana or a spell casting check. Well, that's a natural 20. 
It's not fucking staying, Connie. I'm sorry. Uh, da -da -da -da. So 20 plus my spell attack bonus is 10, so 30. Do I add anything else? No. Uh, so, so with a nat 20 or a 30, I think that counts for multiple successes. So you only have to get like one more other success other than this, right? Like when we loop back to the top of your turn again, I think. Uh, so yeah, tell me what it looks like as you begin to banish this thing. Thinks that Lolly drops their cane, drops to their knees, and just starts drawing a sigil on the stage. And I think their finger hovers over the wood and it kind of it just burns itself into the wood. And like their hand is shaking a little bit with rage. Because there's a lot of sacrilege and terrible things happening, and we don't like it. I love that. As the sigil burns itself. <laughs> like etching like an arcane circumference of a rot and fire over the wood of the stage. You see like the wing that sort of breached into the now, like the, the feather tips sort of start to ruffle like, and you see, I think maybe like beams of black light uh, that feel connected to the magic beaming out of your soul, like weathering along the weave, shooting toward this thing. Pillars of black light begin erupting between its feather tips uh, and where it erupts, it sort of sizzles it away, like back into the empty plane, right? Like, almost like threads of, of a puppet master are pulling it back. I think you begin to sweat, like almost immediately. Like your heart is pumping, sweat is drooling down the sides of your like neck, dribbling like puddle, 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 like all over the sigil that you're burning in. And it's taking like every ounce of concentration to prevent this thing from broaching into the now even more. And that's my turn. Okay, <laughs> that's a pretty damn good turn. Yeah, it's like seeing like a, a massive puddle of like a thousand different fish trying to like break through a fisherman's net uh, that Sit Lolly's holding back. And a couple of the fish might pop through, but like the mass of it is like being kept by this web. We're gonna go now over to Gentle. How loud is everything around me? It is deathly silent. Where this thing emerges from, like that force field of inertia that I described earlier, where it sort of, I think maybe it hits you. It's like everything washes out, like you're in a barrel in sand or something. Like you're just inside like inside like a cavern and there's nothing around you. Bad. Um <laughs> I think Gentle currently is just overwhelmed by like the sheer weight of that silence. I think I can hear my heart beating with each like as I'm looking between every scene around me. And I think the only thing I can think to do is fly towards the chrysalis and just start hitting it to hopefully like stop it from going out. Flying into it Superman style. You launch yourself into the air, and when you are within 15 feet of it, I need you to make a charisma saving throw. Great, because that's a 21. That is not sufficient. No! Uh, so, <laughs> as you enter its radius of presence and influence, a wave washes over you, like you break the sound barrier. And gentle, you feel your body like vibrate a little, like the particles that comprise gentle begin to shift. So why don't you tell me, how does the chrysalis's influence change your body? I don't know what those words mean in that order. <laughs> uh, I can also put it this way. What part of you mutates? Oh, oh no. Being a triton, I think some of my skin is at least a little like scaled, at least as hard parts of scale. I think that might mutate. Oh no. I think as we see like gentle dive forward, almost like a, a pin needle rupturing jelly. 
we see like your skin like ripple and around your gills and I think like around like the sides of your face we see like the skin flake into stone it just sort of like ripples into marble and we see like blue veins shot through the marble Suddenly, gentle, uh, the top part of your body above your torso feels very heavy as the stone continues to rhyme itself down. The closer you get to this thing, the, the heavier its influence becomes on your body and like the heavier your body feels. But I'm not going to have you take like the petrified state or anything like that. Cool. Does the punch still happen? Yeah. Uh, so make, make your attack rolls. My hands are now stone, which legally means they should do more damage if they hit, right? Oh boy, I'm throwing four punches. <laughs> Not oh boy. Okay, I got one nat 20 in there already. I can tell you that for free. 14, 20, 21, nat 20. So only the nat 20 hits of those, but you can roll damage for up to all four of them if you want, if it gets the store reaction. What I'm going to do is spend some extra key points to uh, do focused aim. I'm going to spend three to turn that 21 into a 27 to hit. Oh, a 27 just misses. Okay, good to know. But now you know, but now you know. I'm not Uh, taking any extra reaction from you. (laughs) Okay, so you're just letting one of them hit? The nat 20? Yep. Okay, sounds good. nat 20. Sounds good. You can take max damage and roll again, or you can roll double dice and get a narrative boon. Double dice and narrative boon, always. (laughs) Okay, yeah, okay. For everyone else. Why don't we roll dice first and figure out the boon later? That's 42. I was already flying at it full momentum. My movement speed is up to 55. So I was flying at it no matter what. And I'm just going to kind of just let momentum take the lead. And as I have slightly petrified, I'm like, well, this hand's a bit more stone than the other in leading with just one big old hit, honestly. Yeah, like a one punch man situation. Exactly. And like we see, we see your fists like like ripple around with like almost like fire from like the force with which you're like throwing it, and it collides with that like wing that's like broached into the now and just like explodes like feathers like downy feathers poof up and explode outward, and you feel like mm, bone? You don't know, not bone. A uh, splinter underneath the force of your punch, which is also laced with like blue marble and stone that's like rippling its way up your forearm, gentle. So as you're in the air punching this thing in, the, in one of its thousands of wings, what's your narrative, boon? I Pushing it back is an idea. That or just weakening the effect of that influence, just so it doesn't affect maybe somebody like Oka who also is flying up here, I had hope. Ooh, I really like that. So if we if we want to go with the second one, because Sid Lolly's doing a damn good job, I think, currently holding it back and trying to put put it back. Let's say that like the trail you cut through its sphere of influence, sort of almost like a jet streaking through the air, it sort of like opens up like a wide triangle behind you. And like a curtain of reality, I think, opens up behind Gentle from where they like forge forward and punch and shatter. So there's like a pocket, an opportunity that other combatants can sneak into without taking the negative effect of its influence. It's only big enough to admit like one other person in. That's perfect. As gentle half marbleized, punching the shit out of this like one wing of the chrysalis, we are going to go over now to Jaron. Jaron is not quite sure what to do, I think, in this moment because they're standing there over Ravi's body as Oka is cradling her and he starts backing up, I think, saying, like, wasn't supposed to be her. It wasn't supposed to be her. 
And as he's backing up, I think like he thunks against old mama lightning's crystal. It kind of like brings him back into this moment. Wasn't supposed to be her. It was supposed, and he like turns around. It was supposed to be you. And with the dagger in his hand, I think he starts with the blunt end, like trying to crack open this crystal that is surrounding old mama lightning, just like hammering at it as hard as he can. <laughs> Have inspiration. As grief, rage, regret, like maybe all these emotions as they swirl around you, shock, perhaps at the forefront, you whirl around and you be like your fist comes down, dagger hilt in hand. We all see these like, I think like black veins, like ripple themselves like up the arm that you're using to punch uh, old mama lightning's crystal with and your punches are gonna have advantage as whatever empty bargain you brokered with adam is coming to take its final due here so why don't you make a stabby stab attack roll that advantage gave me a nat 20. it's a 29 total Suraksha's crystal is obsidian but veins of a darker black crack outward from the point of contact of your dagger, finding like that weakness in the armor that the dagger slips through and pure oblivion void black tendrils of crack spiderweb outward and form a tiny little window into where old mama lightning is hiding. Stabbing, 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 like trying to widen this crack. You see old mama lightning inside, looking at you from behind this like thick pane of black glass. You see her mismatched eyes, right? With like flecks of gold and black inside them. You see this old woman, like her form sort of hobbled over. She's like leaning on a cane, like head cocked, staring at you, wide-eyed, looking between the battle. Jaron, what do you say to her, if anything? Make this better. It was supposed to be you. So make this better. Fix it. It was supposed to be me, young man? To die? Well, yes, I suppose it is. All of us paragons are supposed to die for Andake, aren't we? So then die now for Andake. For the other paragons. The time is not quite right. And it appears perhaps you are not in your right mind, young man. You don't know anything about me. But if you care about Undaki, if you care about making things right, then do it now. I care about Dabithati, young man, and my family. Do you? And her eyes fall upon Oka, who's crouched over Ravi's body. Jaron's eyes follow old Mama Lightning's. I do. That's why. I'm sorry, young man, but I don't intend to die here. Not like this, and not now. And like the crack like seals itself back up. And you see, I think, gold veins, and you feel like the humming, radiant warmth of Thristy pulsate upward, like begin to rib themselves through the crystal. Jaron is going to shove his hand with the dagger inside of the crystal. Okay. Make one more attack roll with advantage to stab her. A natural 20. Okay. Where are you trying to stab her? 
I don't think Jaron has the ability to properly like pick a spot and aim right now. So it's just more of like a wild shot in the dark, wherever, wherever he'll make purchase. Jaron, your arm pierces through Siraksha's crystal. I think it's like twitching and like convulsing a little bit, like under like the black veins, empowering your every move, your every strike. And you see just sort of like the these ab- obsidian veins have turned your arm almost completely charred black, right? Uh, and Kane's dagger thrusts forward, the blade slick with empty magic, just this enervating like void empty weave. And it spears old mama lightning, I think through the shoulder, a couple inches north of the heart. And she staggers backward uh, and like lets out like a groan, turns around and like makes it like a really hard gesture with her other hand. And the crystal cracks shut uh, and cuts your arm off. And I think there's just like, like a spray and a gush of blood. And Jaron, you suddenly feel very lightheaded. And there's like an explosion of like really sharp at first and then just really dull and hitting you in waves of pain from your, uh, you tell me, left or right arm. Uh, Jaron is right-handed, so from your right arm that has now been severed. And I just see these gold veins continuing to rib themselves up like through the black crystal now flecked red with your own blood. I think that's my turn. Okay, next up is going to be Oka. Okay, well, after all that, Oka has been, I think, sitting on the stage with Ravi's head cradled in their lap. They like hear the noise, they like hear the screams, hear the unbearable silence rolling over this place. They lean down, close Ravi's eyes, take both of her cheeks in their hands, kiss her forehead. And when their face pulls back, there's just like the tiniest bit of blood smeared from their lips left on her forehead. And they shift out from underneath her, like gently, gently, like let her head come back down to the ground. They turn away. And I assume that Jaron is maybe, like, on the ground, bleeding. Oka assesses the situation and starts walking towards Sitlali. And I think they have to go past Jaron to do that. And they pause, I think, in front of his body. Oka looks down and steps over you. And as Oka steps over you, the blood, I think, that's beginning to pool out of your body starts to harden and twist into these rope-like tethers. Uh, And I need you to make a strength saving throw. As Oka uses their blood curse of binding on you. Can I just say it fails? Because I don't know that Jaron is in a place to fight back. If you don't resist, then it works, I think. Your own blood starts to tether around you and like, tighten and hold you in place. It also staunches the bleeding out of your arm, I think, so you're not bleeding out anymore. It like tightens around kind of like a tourniquet. And without looking down at you, Oka goes, I'll deal with you later. And walks toward Sitlali, who's like doing this banishment ritual. And where the fuck is Adam, Connie? Adam spent the first two turns to just laugh. (laughs) Maybe. He is enjoying this. He is loving this. He's basking in this. He has turned around from his spot in the middle of the stage and is in the process of walking very calmly over to Sitlali, who's on the ground hovering over their own sigil. Yeah, I'ma just get in there real fast. Oka, I think is almost like gonna walk just as calmly and is gonna like catch his gaze so that he knows that they know where he is. You step calmly between Adam and Sitlali, equilateral distance away, and it's just 
a wind tunnel of perfect silence swirling around both of you like a fucking like western standoff right like as like adam comes to a halt and like you step in front of adam like maybe like 10 15 feet away from each other his shirt is still torn he's a little bloodied pockmarked with wounds from your party's assault on him but he looks alive his face is electric and his blue eyes drill into your own <laughs> oh paragon of sen hero of dabathati you know we at the chrysalis we owe your party a life debt for elevating our reputation in the eyes of the capital then a life debt i will fucking claim and I'm gonna attack the shit out of this guy. <laughs> okay, are you using Dream Hunter? I am using Dream Hunter, yeah. Okay. Um, but first, I think Oka, as they pass Sitlali, right? Do what you need to do. I'll cover you. And they launch themselves at Adam. And I would like to use my first fourth level spell slot to cast Polymorph on myself. As Oka's face distends, their hands grow sharp and like clawed their teeth grow and their face turns into that almost like halfway between a person and a Celian. they are just going to rip him apart with their hands wow okay make a claw attack 24 to hit that misses his ac you can choose to hit hit him if you want he's pretty i mean he's pretty fucked up he took a lot of damage yeah sure okay so roll damage 20 six points of damage total. Yikazoid, where are you like ripping into him with your claws? Chest first. Your face snarled like scales flecking away at like your like a maw that's forming but like half formed right and like I think like horns just sort of like bulge out of your forehead and like crest and rake backward like past like your hair that's starting to like elongate and poof up into fur. He steps back, tries to avoid you, right? But I think you swing around and you just slash him up. You rip his tie off. You like rip his jacket open. Like you rip his like perfectly pressed collared like shirt open and you just rake your claws like across his front. You really fuck him up. Ugh. <laughs> oh my, well, your party certainly can pack a punch, can't they? And he sort of like swipes upward at like the blood on his torso and like licks it off of like his palm. That's my shit. I'm not dating this man with any responses beyond, like, getting him to the ground. Is that the end of your turn? That is the end of my turn, Jam. Thank you. And I think we just see the two of you exchange blows. Like, he's, like, dodging you as you, like, launch forward and slash at him. And we're going to, like, pan across this expanse over to Mercy, who is knelt over the body of one of her exes and her best friend, pockmarked with wounds and blood. Ravi's eyes closed from Oka, and Mercy's like broad shoulders are just like heaving, like shuddering with sobs. I think her ponytails come undone in, in all this chaos, and it's just like fallen in like a crimson cascade around her. Her eyes, her face like plastered to her skin with tears. There's like an almighty shudder, like an inhale of breath, and we just sort of see her like get up onto one knee. And then she reaches behind like her back and like unsheaths like the greatsword, drives the point into the wood, cracking it, splintering it, right? Chunks of wood go flying and she uses her the hilt of her greatsword to brace as she stands up to her full height. When she turns around, her face is wet and streaked with her tears, but she's not crying anymore. 
not even sparing a glance at Jaron, who's tangled up in his own blood. She turns around and like stands in the middle of like the airway that was made by Gentle. And Mercy is just gonna run forward and launch herself into the air, like through the passageway created by Gentle. Letting out a roar, she like whips her like buster blade around and just like sort of like slams it down on the wing that Gentle was already pummeling at. Her blade slices through the wing that was already cracked and kind of crumpled and broken and twisted and like bent in many directions from uh, Gentle's pummeling and slashes like the feather tips off. And where it like comes off, the wings just disintegrate into dust when it's severed from the central mass, right? And Mercy just lets out like a wordless roar, whirls through the air and like turns around and whips to like slash at it again. That's gonna be Mercy's turn. And now we're gonna go to Old Mama Lightning. Old Mama Lightning, this entire time, these golden veins have sort of been like, like webbing themselves up Suraksha. And at this point, the crystal has turned from black to pure gold. There is a burst of like divine energy that just explodes outward from that side of the stage, whips across like the entire battlefield, ruffling all of your hair. You know, Sitlali, like it's nice to get like a cool breeze against like the blood sweat running down your face, like gentle, the cold marble gets like pummeled by this air, like Jaron, like your own blood is like whipped off to the side. And Oka, like in the midst of like brawling with Adam, like both of you are buffeted by this gust of like divine might as the golden crystal now unfolds like a lotus petal, just with like petals coming down and stepping forward out of her cocoon into the fray is old mama lightning. I mean, it's an interesting question, right? What does half of a realized paragon look like? I think we see old mama lightning half transformed into her paragon form. Almost like a halo of like energy is radiating out from her. Like she's like glowing celestial. And we see two spikes, uh, one on one on the left and one on the right have sort of like appeared, almost like hard light constructs uh, on her forehead. One is golden, one is black, and there's a missing spike in the center. Both spikes are digging into her forehead and causing her to bleed down her face. So her entire face, like both sides of her like face, there's like a, the middle part is un, unblemished, are like just covered in crimson blood dribbling down her front. Both like spikes are like sparking with black and gold lightning on either end. She steps forward and speaking with like a multi-layered voice with uh, Thristi and Saraksha's voice, like tingling like bells underneath her own. Oka, you in particular hear Old Mama Lightning say directed to you, Vinash, it's time to come home. And Oka, Vinash within you, explodes outward, like speaks through your throat. No! Vinash. Please, it's been too long. I've searched for you for months. Suraksha and Thristi said you were in the Godspine, you were in Dabathati after I found them out in the desert, out in the scrublands. But you weren't there. You're with the wrong Paragon, Vinash. We need you with your force. We can destroy the Chrysalis and pay them back for everything they've taken from us. Vinash. Come home. And Oka, what does Vinash say next? I made 
this my home when you left me. This vessel is mine now. Vinash, this is not the way. This is not what destiny has in store for you, for all of us. What if I don't want it? I'll burn it down instead. And exploding off of Oka's skin is massive strobes of like red lightning that go haywire. Like one sparks off to the to the left and like spears a chunk of the stage like off. Wood explodes outward and like rolls, tumbles down the marble steps, right? And like another one goes haywire, like zaps a marble pillar and takes a chunk off of a pillar storm begins to billow outward from like Oka's body, like like whipping like wind and thunder and lightning all around, colliding with like the black and gold gusts coming off of Old Mama Lightning, as Vinash refuses to enter Old Mama Lightning's soul. And in the midst of this confrontation, that is all of the allies' turns. Now we're gonna go to Adam. Distracted as you are, Oka by Vinash seizing you. I need you to make like a soundness of mind check to see if you notice what's happening with Adam. I guess that would be a perception check with disadvantage. 11. Everything is just storm and lightning and rage, right? And like electricity just like jettisoning your soul and like rapidly going through your body. Your nervous system feels like it's on fire. Adam, ever the slippery shadow sidesteps you, right? adjusts like the remaining knot of his tie, smooths down the blood, and steps away like calmly from where Oka and Old Mama Lightning are confronting each other. And Sitlali, all around you, even though there's noise, there's also silence. It's odd. It's like you're inside this little bubble, and you know there's like a storm going on around you, but you're inside this little bubble, and you are just purely focused. You are in the zone. Like you are focused on like just banishing this thing. You've never been so attuned to a single task, I think, before, probably in your life. And I don't know if that's a stretch to say. Breaking you out of this focus is a voice. A familiar, oily, slippery, shadowy, dark voice that just goes, What you are doing is quite impressive, Sitlali, Thornheart. Keeping the chrysalis at bay by yourself, perhaps I did underestimate you. And sort of like kneeling down in front of you, his face swimming into view, is Adam. It's but not Lally too- spits in his face. <sighs> I think you interrupt him as he was talking, actually. You just spit in his face. <clears throat> and the spit like gets in his eye and like sort of dribbles down his cheek. And he sort of like wipes it off with like with like his thumb. I was going to say, darling, it's not too late to switch sides. We could use mm, a new speaker of the chrysalis. You feel its power, don't you? You know you can't hold it back for much longer. Your fight here is lost. Vinash refuses to enter his proper vessel. The paragons are a mess. And you are not the type to bet on losing dogs, Thornheart. You don't know shit about me. Is that a no? Get the fuck away from me. That's a shame. And Adam slips a knife between your ribs, just slides it in gently, tucks it in like a love note underneath someone's pillow. 
I need you to just make like a constant, a concentration check, I think. I rolled a natural 19. Okay, that's sufficient. <laughs> Adam's right in front of you, has this knife tucked between your ribs. You could feel your own blood trickle outward. It hurts, but you're focused on, on the spell. And mm -hmm. it's the top of your turn, Silali. You saved the concentration check. You got a natural 20 on your spellcasting check. Just one more. DC's really low from all these, all these successes. One more spellcasting check to banish this thing. 28. That is sufficient. Sit lolly. Tell me what it looks like as you push this thing back into the empty. I think Sit lolly feels the blade go in kind of cocks their head to the side in, like, curiosity, and their eyes flick up and meet Adam's. You're right. I don't bet on losing dogs. And then they slam their hand into the sigil and push the chrysalis back. Yes. It's like that net just boom, with a massive, like, force wave of magic emanating from Sitlali. The rest of the wings, like, like, ripple backward and recede, tumbling through the air, almost like they're retracing their steps and someone pressed, like, rewind on a tape and get sucked back into the blackness of the nothing plane and sink underneath this, like, serration into the now and dip out of sight. And that horrible, ominous presence, that seeping entropy, that nothing force field also recedes. And it feels like all of you can like breathe again. And like you hear sound now, like this like dome of silence pops. You can all hear each other screaming. You can hear like the zaps coming off of Oka's body, like the whirling storm clouds coming off of Old Mama Lightning's shoulders and Adam's snarling face right in front of you, Sitlali. It's still your turn. That doesn't take an action or anything. That was just a check I asked for. What do you do? Sitlali pushes themselves, I think, closer and a little bit further onto his blade. Maintaining eye contact doesn't even look up to make sure it works because she's good. You should be a little more mindful when you act next time. And with one hand, she's going to reach up and grab him by the hair and cast Inflict Wounds at third level. Okay, how does that work? Do I make a save? Uh, no, it's a spell attack. Cool. Uh, that's a natural 20. Bruh. Okay, uh, <laughs> narrative boon or max da or full damage? Oh, narrative boon. Okay. Um, three, four, three, five, 36, 37 points of necrotic damage. And that's double dice. Oh no, that was only the first time. I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> 46, so 46 plus whatever I said before. Okay, that's a lot of damage. Uh huh. What does it look like? And what is your narrative boon? So Lily grabs hold of his face, like by the hair. And I think just tugs him down like to the ground as they also like kind of collapse in on themselves from how exhausting that spell was. You grab him by the roots of his scalp and you you tug him down. Both of you collapse onto this like ruptured stage as the chrysalis gets like flung back into the into the nothing plane. And Adam ugh, lets out this like extremely frustrated groan. You're hurting him for sure, but you get the feeling that it's less about what you're grabbing onto him about and more about the fact that you were able to banish the chrysalis. Right? He like looks up at you and he just goes, <laughs> uh, and you see like where you're holding onto his like uh, hair is beginning to gray and wither and peel off right from like where you're inflicting these wounds. This isn't over, Sitlali. I'll see you again, I'm sure. 
like to tear out some of his hair. You do. Ugh! And he lets out sort of like a, a groan as he, uh, hmm, he, he sort of discorporates into dust, black dust, just and gets sucked through the portal. The only tangible part of Adam that's left is this like clump of hair that you've held onto, I think. And there's kind of like a, a popping noise. <laughs> In an instant, the portal just sutures shut and disappears. Lolly looks at the hair, looks up at where the portal was, and just quietly whispers, coward. And then like fully collapses onto the stage. Mercy falls out of the air. Uh, she had kept like jumping up into the air to like slash at the crystals and then fell back down and jumped up the slash at it. She falls out of the air, lands onto the stage, tucks her blade away and immediately books it to you, Sitlali, like immediately. And before you can like fall to the ground, she has you in her arms and like her hair, her undone hair is like falling all over your face and she's going, Sitlali, 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 are you okay? Are you, was that you? Did you, did you, you, you did the thing, you put it, you put it back. Put it back. Are you hurt? Did did he did he hurt you? Your chest. Oh, you're, you're bleeding. Am I? Yeah. I yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, hey. Let me let me staunch the. Uh. And she like rips up her shirt and starts like like applying pressure like on the wound on your on your gut. Hey, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. I'm here. I'm here. I got Ravi's soul. What? You. Ravi's not gone. Ravi. Oka. And she, like, whips around, looks over her shoulder at Oka. Vinash is still sparking off of you. Old Mama Lightning's still there. What do you do? Prince of repression that I am, Oka's fighting a god in their own body. Can I make a check to see if I can push Vinash back and bring myself to the center again? To put him back, so to speak. Put him back, yes. Uh, that's going to be a charisma contest. I'm going to have him roll with disadvantage, though. Because it's been a hard day for Vinash. Unnatural 20. One of my rolls was a nat 20, and the other roll was not very good. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you win. You win. Okay. As the sound comes back, there's like one more single crack of lightning. And then, like, the chrysalis gets like sucked backwards. Adam gets sucked backwards. And I think the storm also kind of gets sucked into Oka's body. They literally, like, force of will pull the lightning back into them. Like, it's a ball of energy that they're tucking underneath their solar plexus. And they, like, shove it down and shove it back in. Not out, not gone, not away. Back where it belongs, back in them. Back where they've kept it safe, where it's theirs. They're not going to think too hard about that. The polymorph also is, like, wearing off, but they, like, tuck in on themselves as they're putting the god back and their body like i think doesn't know what it's going back to their soul is a thousand different pieces stitched together again and i don't know if they know how to put themselves back in the right order right away and i think there's like this moment where their like skin just kind of like ripples with scales all the way down and then it's their skin again but there's no scars on it right and then like the scars return i think the wings tear out of their back again not electric glass this time as they kind of just like stumble backward for a moment and I will let everyone else respond first before I keep doing anything. I think as all of this is happening, Jaron has been on the stage 
on his knees, like cradling the stump of his right arm. The bleeding has been staunched. Blood ropes all around his legs, all around his body as he's like heaving from the pain that has all of a sudden stopped, I think, or at least like lessened to some degree. And they weren't able to really like do anything or react in any way to any of what was going on. But now that everything has come back, they look up and I think their hair is covering their face. And so they're looking like through curtains of their white hair up at Oka, watching Oka turn back into this mishmash of themselves. And they just quietly, through a broken voice, call out to Oka from across the stage. I think Oka's eyes like flick up, you know, like almost startled by hearing their own name. Uh, And there's this like really distant, faraway look in their eyes. And then they kind of refocus on you. And then their eyes go really cold. Sitlali sees all of this and just kind of like pushes themselves up as best they can and grabs onto Mercy and says, get me to Oka. Right, yeah, okay, okay. And like with Mercy helping you along, I think you're able to get across the stage, bleeding a little, right? Staunched with the tourniquet all the way to Oka's side. And I think when they reach Oka, she just kind of gently wraps their arms around Oka's waist from behind and squeezes and just kind of presses herself there for a little bit. On either side of your face, their like their wings kind of just like hold you like and like tuck you in almost. I think the arms are an odd comfort and they're also a much needed barrier. And Sitlali's blood does smell different to you. It tastes different to you. It's wrong, but I don't know if you're able to immediately tell what it is. But there is a marked difference from the last time you saw her. And Sitlali just kind of quietly into your back because she's five foot two and can't change that right now. You need to let him go. He needs to go home, Oka. You knew this would happen eventually. I didn't want it to. But you knew it had to. Let go. Oka, you feel the nosh literally like a lightning in a bottle inside your soul, just sort of spark. And you just sort of feel and sort of hear like distantly, like like ramming against the glass. No, 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 this is mine. You're mine. No. And I think they're, they're just being pulled in so many different directions. But I think like the words that come out of their mouth are, no, she's mine. He's not yours. Sen is yours. Sen's waiting. Sen can't take you like this. Vinash has to go home. Fuck. And on the like whispered word, Oka's gonna try to uncork the bottle out again. Oka. As you drill deep down into your own soul and you like fish that violent, exposed, tender, vulnerable nerve of lightning that is Vinash's shattered soul out of your own body, bolts of lightning spark off your skin and floating out of your chest is Vinash. 
looks like a, a single bolt of, of red lightning suspended in a cloud of crimson storm. Vinashus jolts out of your soul, right, and begins to flow through the air like toward old Mama Lightning, who's also standing there like arms like like open, like ready to accept Vinash. And Vinash, this entire time, Oka, in a voice only you can hear emanating in the confines of your brain, is just going, No, no, don't let me go, Vessel. You're mine. You're mine. Oka's eyes fall on Robbie's body, and they remember her holding on to Vinash, that they took Vinash for her. And I think the, the voices layer over where it's Ravi's voice, don't let me go, don't let me go. And Oka can't take it, I think. And they pull out of your grip, Sitlali, I think, and like swallow the light back up and immediately crumple to their knees as they do, I think, as they like tuck it back into themselves. Mercy catches you, right? So, like, softens your, your fall as, like, like Vinash is sucked back into your soul. Old Mama Lightning lets out a... It's, it's okay. It's okay, Thristi. It's okay, Siraksha. I know you want to be joined by your brother. I know what it feels like to be separated from family, but he's not ready. They're not ready. You, young Paragon... You're not quite ready to let him go yet, are you? Oh, and Oka's just sobbing into the floorboards. It's okay. I know what it's like to be scared of destiny. The people will be upon us at any moment. I'm still a wanted woman here, especially in the midst of the beating heart of the chrysalis. I will take my leave. You know where to find me. And when you're ready, Paragon of Sen, Bring me Vinash. She takes out Kane's dagger from like a fold of her cloth robe and just drops it. And it clatters, stained with her own blood. Old Mama Lightning steps backward. And I think the lotus petals closes up like a clamshell and then disappears in a sparkle of, of golden dust. And then she disappears. As the dagger clatters uh, next to your bloodied knees, I think, Jerron, like, you sort of, like, see old Rama Lightning's blood still laced on the blade. We're actually gonna pan away from you to where Gentle is. Fun. How loud is it now? Much louder. Sort of like you were in, like, a panic room, and then you stepped outside into the middle of a bustling New York street. I'm still in a panic room, don't worry. I think the sudden, like, deafening silence to the amount of noise we're facing is a lot. I am just sort of focusing on the rhythm of my heart to, like, not freak out. Is, is my skin still stony? Gentle, as you stand there, like, it's quite overstimulating. And you can hear just, like, the shouting of people. Dozens and dozens, hundreds, if not a, a thousand people at the base of the stairs teeming against the barricades. You can hear the lingering expulsions of static uh, from Vinash and from Old Mama Lightning leaving, and the pounding of your own blood in your ears is overwhelming. You look down, and I think if it's okay with you, Gentle, I think your fingers are shaking, and you just sort of see, like, the black marble that's, like, veined itself down your forearm, like the fingers of a glove. This blue marble begins to flake away. Very slowly, though, millimeter by bare millimeter flake away to reveal your blue skin underneath. I'm 
so torn on who to check on, honestly. I know where I'm gonna go. No one's actually like done any anything to draw on healing nope. wise. No. Yeah, I know. Stop the bleeding, babes. I'm gonna go over there and try to staunch the blood and heal hand whatever I can. Gentle Do I deserve it. <laughs> Uh, no, says the DM. Uh, Gentle, you you walk over to Jaron, who is sort of cratered in their own blood. Jaron, what does Gentle see as they approach? Like, how are you positioned on the floor? Jaron is crumpled over, folded in half, on his knees, on the ground, holding on to this arm. Before, he had been looking up at, I guess, everyone, since everyone was together on the other side of the stage, through his hair, this incomprehensible look in his eyes that is filled with shock and confusion and rage and grief and just everything and nothing all at once. I think I'd just slowly like kneel next to you and begin to put healing hand on like where your arm was severed. And I just, in Rosie, softly whisper, I'm sorry I wasn't able to stop you. Jaron looks up at Gentle through his hair and just starts crying at that. It's not your fault, Gentle. It's not... It wasn't supposed to happen like this. I know that look in your eyes when you are wildly ambitious beyond any sense of self. And if maybe I had talked to somebody or, I don't know, maybe we wouldn't be here right now. And I'm sorry. There's nothing that you could have done. I should have. I know. Should have been more careful. I should have. I know. I've seen the look in your eyes before. You, consequences kind of come second when you have that look. And I wish you didn't have to hurt like this. I I just wanted to make sure that you would be okay, that we would all be okay. And we will. But we need to She's do gone. That I know. And it's a little unclear at this point whether Jaron is talking about Ravi or Old Mama Lightning. I just focus on healing Jaron as much as I can. And I kind of don't say much think any for the rest of this at this point mercy who has like caught oka after stumbling onto the floor looks up like at you sit lolly and then you oka we got to get out of here oh that barricade with all those people down there i don't know how much longer it's gonna hold and i don't want to be caught here with our pants down uh, in front of the fucking chrysalis fanatics uh, having to answer to where their fucking little god boy is Adam, not you, Oka. Oka hiccups weirdly, like they laugh, but they're choking on a sob at the same time, and they their shoulders shudder. And they look across the stage to where I think Gentle and Jaron are like have their like heads tucked, you know, and are like having that conversation in low tones. And they look up at Mercy. Please go get Ravi. Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah. I don't want any of those fucking cultists just looking at her. And wordlessly, Mercy nods, gets up, and peels across the stage to where Ravi's body is. And 
Oka turns fully, I think, and just like tucks themselves into Sitlali, leans down, if you'll allow it, like scoops underneath your legs. Like, just like the way that they tucked the god shard into their soul, they just kind of tuck Sitlali, and their like face is wet with these like big gold tears, right? That are like down their shirt, they're full of blood. Their freckles, I think, are like moving around on their face, like from the remains of the polymorph spell, just kind of like putting themselves back where they should be. You did good. You can rest now. I got you, okay? And I think Sidlali just lets out the longest sigh. All of the tension in their body just kind of releases and they don't say anything. And Oka takes two steps before both of them are in the air. And I think they just kind of like fly sort of like sort of unintentionally low over Jaron and Gentle, like up into the balcony heading toward. I, I think up at the balcony, Oka pauses because they have no fucking idea where to go. And then they go to the secret garden because it's the only place they can think of. It's like one, two, like big, strong flaps of your wings, like wind cratering, ballooning outward from uh, where you take off. Okay, you hover by the balconies and then you glide away from the center of the Chamber of the Republic and toward the secret garden on the fringes of the Senate House. Leave only Jaron, Gentle, and Mercy behind with Ravi. Mercy very gently hikes Ravi up, bridal style like her body, is crying again, but her voice doesn't quaver. When she turns around to face Jaron and Gentle, does not address Jaron. What she says next is addressed only to Gentle. Karishma's garden. See you there. Turns around and just hoofs it off the stage. Um, Tron? Yes, Gentle. Can you move? They've been kind of like rooted and frozen to the spot this whole time. And for the first time they try to move, they try to get up and can't and like crumple back down onto the stage as the blood ropes are like keeping his legs there. And they look over at the dagger that is just in front of them with old mama lightning's blood on it they think about grabbing it but their hand goes towards it and they like recoil as if they were like shocked with like static electricity and they just start like ripping at the blood tethers with their hands like or with their hand if i may i think as soon as you like pull it out of its form it just kind of sloughs off into liquid is oka's too far away to like maintain it do you want the dagger still i think oka should get to choose what happens with it okay get up and quickly pocket it we should get going but i kind of want to address the crowd a little bit okay um and jaron just kind of slowly, like painfully stands up and gives Gentle, I think, like a one-armed squeeze that's maybe a little bit like too tight and then walks off the stage just, I think like just into like a nearby hallway. Um, He's going to wait for Gentle. They're not going in by themselves. Yeah, I think, Jaron, you retreat into the shadows beyond the stage behind where you and Ravi had tussled. And I think maybe you wait in the remains of the statue of Yudabathi, crumbled into pieces all around your feet. And you look out, you know, onto the bright lit stage where gentle and gentle alone, surrounded by blood, scorch marks, cratered chunks of wood, turns. And gentle, you see just a sea of people at the base of the stairs, 
the day and night watch guild members as well as like other members of the adventurers guild are like doing their best to like hold back the crowd at the barricades but people are trying to like go over like people are shouting and screaming they're like asking like where's adam where's the miracle that fog cloud you know everyone's like clamoring and clamoring voices are overlapping the crowd is getting the crowd is getting hungry and you can sense it what do you do gentle first off i slide uh, a mask on probably the one i put on for the fighting pits and I just stand up. I think I'm covered in blood, not my own, of course. And I just sort of meekly, hi, everyone. What's the crowd's reaction? Are you using magic to amplify your voice? If a key point could do it. Yes, a key point will do it. Your voice like rings out, like booming, like like sweeping down the steps like a breath of spring air. And the crowd like like hushes. They all like turn and they look and like fix like eagerly awaiting hungry eyes upon you. Um, I'm not Adam, as I think everyone here can tell. Adam left. Adam summoned a monster that was going to hurt a lot of people. And some friends of mine managed to put it back. And I'll be honest, I don't think Adam wanted to help anyone who's right here. I have also survived the cataclysm, and it was terrifying. I came from Morose, saw a lot of bad things happen to a lot of good people. And I understand that you may have been scared for a long time and didn't know what to do. But I think finding... Adam and the Chrysalis won't help. Working together is good, but I think that comes from helping each other, not for the benefit of a god or something that's more powerful than us, but just because it's good to help each other. In the last year, I was in Jukai and helped feed a bunch of people just because it was the right thing to do. Or I had a friend who helped my wolf because they wanted to build bridges. I, I think building bridges is, it's important. And you don't need the chrysalis to do that. I think we can make Dabathati better just by being good and trying our best to help each other as a community. Um, anyway, bye. <laughs> and I begin to like try to walk away. As you say this speech that sort of like rings out to like a silent crowd, everyone wants to know what the fuck just happened so they're listening, like wrapped to you because they're like, what, what, what just occurred? When you finish your speech, like some silence hangs, right? And you begin to sort of like maybe like step back. Uh, and that's when you hear like someone, like their voice sounds so small compared to yours because they don't have magic to amplify it. But some like just a random anonymous person, you can't even pinpoint who said it in the crowd just shouts out, Who are you? You can call me gentle. Uh, and I and will take my mask off. The crowd begins to simmer, like the silence is broken. People begin to like murmur, like, what? Uh, gentle, who's that? Their face, they're covered in blood. You know, like all these voices begin to surge and like different kinds of like, what were they saying about Adam, a monster? Nonsense, Adam's the prophet. But we didn't see a miracle today. There's like all sorts of like mixed emotions and like combating feelings in, in the sea of people. And the barricades break, they break. The guards are unable to hold back the people anymore. They begin to surge forward and up the stairs toward you. What do you do? 
uh, the gust of wind again. Very tuxedo mash is disappearing, but I create like a bit of wind just like around me, mostly so I can get to Jaron and we can get out of here. The people leading the charge of the crowd here, they get buffeted and like knocked backward by this massive gust of wind that explodes outward from you. None of them are hurt. You know, they sort of stumble backward, maybe fall into the crowd that's surging up and you turn and you sweep into like the dark chamber of the Republic to meet Jaron. And I think the two of you are able to get out of there with, with no problems after that. And I think we should cut now to the garden. Wing flaps come down and Oka alights onto dewy ground, uh, surrounded by fronds of plants, the sweet smells of various summer fruits and flowers, the low gurgling of a nearby brook, the chittering of toucans and insects in the underbrush. Oka, you land in the pond. Water splashes and like ripples outward. Your wings fold against your scapulae. You have Sitlali tucked close against your chest. What do the two of you do? I think there's this kind of funny callback to the time that Oka carried V out of Sievert's burning office. It makes them feel better more than anything, but they're just kind of like murmuring in this low, like in this low tone, just like, sweet dove, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You did great. You did good and they land kind of hard in the water. They don't let Sitlali down in the water. They just kind of like slosh awkwardly to the edge of the pool. I think they like pause there because they don't really want to let them down yet. Sitlali is kind of clinging to Oka as like the enormity of the everything of the past hours. Cause what is time? Literally. And they just kind of start, not even to Oka, kind of more to themselves, just start kind of saying, he took it, he took it, he took that from me. What did he take? Who? That fucking snake. Tell me. And I think they finally do kind of like put Sitlali down, like seat them very, very gently on the edge of this pool. And they, and they just kind of like get down so that they're eye level with you. So Lily turns, and I think the bite is still there. And I think that's where the blood looks like the most wrong. And I think there's kind of like a desperation and a lack of words in Silali's eyes. And Oka gets this, their puzzle face on, I think. And they, I think, reach out and just kind of trace around it. And I am going to use my healing hands. So you'll get 14 HP back. Is there anything that I can glean just from, like, tracing the bite mark? That's Adam. Adam bit Sitlali and did something to them. Uh, it wasn't just, like, a regular bite, which would have been bad and weird and gross enough. There's some sort of enervating, sickly magic that has poisoned Sitlali's reserves of arcane energy. And their eyes do the, like, they do the math. I don't think they understand what has happened, but they understand that something has happened. And they just bring Sitlali back in and just like tuck their head like against their chest we'll get it back okay we'll get it we'll get it back that snake can't fucking hold on to it forever how long was I gone? two and a half days felt like a lot longer I told Mercy that any date that lasts that never mind 
I'm sorry, said Lolly. For what? You didn't do anything? Hell, you found me. Of course I found you. I'm sorry for... I'm sorry. Me too. Do you want me to bring her back? She was a blood hunter, but she didn't really believe in necromancy. So do you want me to ask her first? Noka nods slowly. I can do that. And it's kind of apparent that Sitlali is like trying to repress the everything that just happened and it's not happening. It's not working. The compartmentalizing is not working. They are trying to latch on to new projects. Their eyes don't really stay still. They're kind of constantly looking for any threat. They don't like their hands, I think, shake more than they ever have. And just like there is an unsteadiness to them that you haven't seen before. And I think one that Oka recognizes that keeps coming out in themselves over and over and over again. And I think they just take Sitlali's hands, like maybe as you like shift away to start doing something. No, Sitlali, she's, she's gone. She's not gone. We got soul and we have the body and it hasn't been that long. So it's not that hard to ask a couple of questions, see if she wants to come back and then... I don't want it to be hard at all for you. It's what I do. Then let me help you. Please. And Sitlali nods slowly. You all sort of hear like footsteps trudging through like undergrowth. A couple fronds and branches part, you know, some dew flies off of like blades of grass and Mercy's there holding Ravi, right? Like in her arms, <sighs> like face streaked with fresh tears. There you are. Okay, good, good. Um, and Mercy just like sort of wordlessly falls to her knees and like gently puts Ravi's body in the pond. The blood immediately starts like washing off her body and like trailing deeper into the water, staining it crimson. Mercy just like kneeling there, staring at her body vacantly. I think Oga kind of like sidles up beside her and just tucks themselves into her. And they also just kind of look down at Ravi and then up at Silali again. So I'll ask first, yeah? Ask what? I was going to ask Ravi if they wanted to come back. Is it, is that possible? I mean, we have her soul and her body right here. Is it, could we, could we, could we bring her back? Mercy, necromancy is not something you do to other people. What do you mean it's not something you do to other people? Isn't that what necromancy is? Like raising skeletons and stuff? Making them carry your books? Different when it's a person. Okay, I mean, I've never heard of... I know it's not allowed in the court to bring back people who have died, but I always thought that maybe it was possible with dark magic. I just... Will she be the same if we bring her back? Will she come back, Sitlali? I'll need to sleep on it, but after that, tomorrow morning, I could do it. Okay. And she won't, like, her body's gonna be fine in, like, in, like, a day, right, Oka? It's not gonna, like, it's not gonna be too late. We don't have to do it, like, right now, right? She doesn't have until tomorrow. Then, uh, then can you, can can you do it? Lolly, can you ask, can you ask the Raven Queen if, if it's okay to bring Bravi back? If she'll be okay if she's brought back, she'll be 
herself. She'll be fine. I can't promise an answer. I think they start actually looking in like on their person for their um knuckle bone prayer beads. The ones that I think Oka used. And then like doesn't find them, shakes it off, holds the feather, and kneels and casts divination. Which means I can ask a single question concerning a specific goal, event, or activity to occur within seven days. And I think they just kind of like look over into the water and say, if you're there, I could really use some help right now. <laughs> Roll religion. I'm not proficient in that. What? You're not proficient in religion? Nah. That's proficient fucking hilarious. Is there a way I can help? Yeah, because how are you I helping? Am. Ravi's blood in the water, I think, where Sitlali is looking and where Oka sees them looking, Oka starts manipulating the blood in the water to come towards Sitlali and start to draw out a sigil for, I think, a sigil of the Divine Triptych. Ooh, I really like that. Uh, Sitlali, roll with advantage. 21. As you entreat the water swirling with blood and images of the Divine Triptych, Sitlali, you're aware of what they are. The Divine Triptych is a magical theory that's widely regarded as a highly reputable one in terms of necromancy, like how the body works. This idea that the Divine Triptych is comprised of body, mind, and soul, and these three things together make a person, make like a sentient being, that's what a person is. And magic sort of runs through all three things, like body, mind, and soul. And when one part of the Divine Triptych in a person is afflicted, it affects the other two parts as well. They're not like disparate parts, they're all interwoven. You see the divine triptych, the symbols for these three aspects, shatter with like a skull symbol, kind of like symbolizing death. Ravi's death, and especially how it happened, like you see like little holes perforating and shattering through, was extremely traumatic. And when you die violently, the bonds between body, mind, and soul are severed in a way that's very traumatic to the body. It's why bringing people back from the dead is really hard to do. Even if you have like a hot body and their soul, right? Even if you stuff the soul back into the body, you see the triptych attempt to reform itself, but like sort of crammed in like a perverse tes tessellation of what the original triptych looked like. Kind of like uh, Oka when they were like shuddering through different forms trying to come back to themselves. And you get the sense that Lali, what this means is you could try to shove Ravi's soul back into her body, but whether or not what comes back is Bravi, there's a very low per percentage of that, especially given how she died, which is why there's like tons of like stories and folk tales of like heartbroken mages whose lovers died, right? They try to bring them back, but they came back as like a zombie or like the soul was shattered beyond repair when they came back and they don't remember who they are. It's extremely risky to raise the dead here in Indake because of the divine triptych and how magic works in that sense. Sitlali kind of like staggers back from that and like loses whatever like grip they had on keeping them upright and they just kind of like land flat on their back I think and just kind of stare up at the the air above them breathing hard because it's been a day um <laughs> they're probably still bleeding a little bit um they haven't done anything about that and I think their voice shakes even though they're trying very hard to keep it from shaking. Like, they are trying to put on the mask they are so familiar wearing, and they can't, because they just do not have it in her. And she goes, it's one in a hundred shot. 
Ravi doesn't take chances like that. What happens in the 99%? Nothing good. (sighs) And Mercy just sort of like falls back, right, onto the, the heels of her feet. So she's gone. She's really gone. Just like that. Because of him. What happened to him? I don't fucking care. Mercy, like, gets up, turns away from Bravi's body like she doesn't want Bravi's body to see this, and just, like, slams, like, the flat of her fist, like, against a nearby tree. Like, the branches shudder and, like, leaves fall down. I need to, uh, I need to be alone for a minute right now. If and when Gentle and Jaron come back, tell Jaron not to find me, not to look at me, not to talk to me, because I'm scared that I will fucking kill him if he does. Understood, love. Thank you, Sitlali. I'm so glad you're back and safe. I love you. I just, I just, I just need a minute. I know. I love you too. With like a really shaky half smile, Mercy turns and strides deeper into the garden. Maybe that's when Jaron and Gentle, the two of you push past branches, you step over pebbles and stones, you slosh through this dewy grass to enter the inner sanctum of Karishma Bhattaval's secret garden, to find Sitlali and Oka by the pond, stooped over Ravi's perforated body, leeching blood, toward the teleportation sigil in the center, uh, currently shrouded and invisibilized by magic. What do y'all do? Jaron has been following Gentle, I think, from like a pace or two behind the whole time. They come out like covered in their own blood, probably also a bit of Old Mama Lightning's blood and Ravi's as well. And still cradling their arm like it's the only thing that is grounding them in this moment they look up at the rest of the hounds and they walk slowly up to Oka and just fall crumple onto his knees Oka was kneeling before and I think as Gentle and Jaron both kind of break through the underbrush they stand up and every step that Jaron takes closer to them, they reach up over their shoulder and they unsheath Dream Hunter. And they don't point it at him, but they just lower it to their side and watch completely silently. Jaron doesn't react or flinch or make any sort of sign that he has noticed, really, or even registered what Oka is doing in this moment. They look down. There's this really solid layer of stone behind their expression. Give me one good reason not to take your other arm. I don't have one. And they look up at you as they say that, tears streaming down their face. No, I would have never, never done that. Not on purpose, but I don't, I can't take it back. Why? Because you matter, Oka? Because you matter to me? You matter to us? You matter to the world? Even if the gods 
don't think that you do, even if to them you're just an animal, a vessel, a jar. But you mattered to me, and I just wanted you around. You wanted me around. I wanted Ravi around. It wasn't supposed to be her. It was supposed to be old mama lightning. Why? Because if one paragon dies, then the prophecy changes. The river changes. You did it once. I thought maybe I could do it this time. You did it to save your mother father, right? Someone that you love, someone that you care about. Do you think you did me a favor? Do you think that breaking the prophecy is a favor, Jaron? Do you think I want that? Do you think that I have been running along this merry line of destiny because I want to? Do you think that I'm okay? Do you think that I don't want to fight? You didn't give me a choice, Jaron. You took one away. You tried to take away my fucking failsafe, Jaron. Because at the end of the day, if your hope bleeds out, I'll still have to die. If all of this comes to nothing, I'll still have to die. And I can't be fucking afraid of that. I can't run away this time. Every time you ask me why I'm just going along with this, every time I want to give in, I want to lean into you and tell you that I won't. I want to tell you that I won't let the gods sacrifice me. But I'd be running away. And I saw what happened the last time I ran away to everyone I've ever turned my fucking back on. I can't turn my back on you. I just wish, I just wish that you would see that it doesn't, doesn't have to be this way. I wish you would see and fight for yourself the way that you fight for us, the way that you fought for your mother, father. I wish you cared about yourself the way that you care about the rest of us. Oga leans down and takes Jaron's chin in their fingers. I have been fighting. Don't make me fight you. If that's what it takes to keep you alive, then fight me. Do whatever you want. Cut off my arm. Tear out my heart. Wear my blood like a fucking metal if you want. Just live. Stop. And Sitlali doesn't even sit up. She is flat on her back listening to this. And like, their voice cuts through in the softest, most genuine pleading. Just stop both of you. You don't deserve my blade. And Oka lets go of Jaron and turns away. I think they get back into the pond and slosh through the water toward the dais. And they're going to get up on it. They don't know how to use it, but they're going to get up on it. And they are just going to stand there and will themselves home. Because they can't fucking stand to be here. Please don't leave. They pause. 
Not again. And they shove Dream Hunter into one of the sigils where they go to the edge of it and sit down. And I think Sitlali just starts crying. Too tired to get up. Too overwhelmed by everything that's happening. And they just cry. Oka, as you had approached the dais, it had rippled into existence. And as you had shoved Dream Hunter into a sigil and sat down on the edge of the dais, but you had willed home. You'd willed home at the dais. There's sort of like a like light, I think, like sparkles and cracks, kind of like broken static because of the severed sigil through the symbols. And you can feel like half of your body because your back's turned to it, toward it. It seems to be tugged toward it. Like the teleportation magic is like, tugging you toward it, a figure actually forms and zaps in. And as like the light fades off, particulates of this radiant dust like flying off of the shoulders of their white lab coat. Dr. Aluso kind of standing there kind of in the middle, uh, seems to be in the middle of like cooking something. They've got like a saucepan out and like a wooden spoon in one hand and kiss the cave fisher apron on over their lab coat. They like look around as like the light dies down and they're just sort of there. They go, uh, Oka? This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Brookbright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.